Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. Trevor Long, my name, joined here by Harry, Tucker, Connor McNally, and uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at KOK Sports, bringing you live sport all across the week and the weekend, most particularly, and including every Formula One session you can see live on KO Sports. If you haven't tried KO, you don't know what streaming is, you've never had Fox and you want to see live sport, uh, just sign up for an account. No credit card required. Just go to KO Freebies and uh, have a look at uh, practice next Friday night. It'll be a good time to start and hopefully we get some uh, some Daniel Ricciardo action on Friday night like we did this week. But boys, Harry, Connor, we have to start with the simple thing. You've downloaded the podcast. Whether you're in lockdown or not, you need to decide, am I going to watch the race? Connor, What's your recommendation to folks? Just watch the highlights. <laughs> Pure That's and generous. simple. Harry? Actually, no, actually, don't watch the highlights. Just sure. listen to us because it was oh, painful tonight. All Absolutely right. Just painful. Don't blow your load early, Harry. <laughs> Even that's generous, I think. <laughs> no, that was that was the worst race of the year by far. I, yeah. It just, it was a DRS train. Not much happened. And then you've got Verstappen, Hamilton and Bottas on the podium as predicted. All right, so, well, I'm, I'm with you, Harry. I, uh, In fact, my recommendation is, is pretty much your gut reaction to Connor's. Um, I, I just don't think you'd even watch the highlights, to be honest. I just let's enjoy, listen to us. enjoy the, the podcast, podcast now. Enjoy, enjoy the no, no listen to it. We'll, we'll sum this up for you. We'll give you everything you need to know to engage in a conversation with someone who even half watched it. Um, and then, hey, if you get time or you're in lockdown, sure, watch watch the highlights. But the only reason to watch the whole race is because you want to work, you, you can't sleep and you need to. <laughs> So, boys, let's just talk about the race overall um, before we talk um, about the, the teams, the drivers, and the championships, which is what we do each week. Um, it, it kind of, like, I can imagine editing the highlights. I can imagine being the one that goes, right, I've been given 60 seconds to turn this into something. I'll use the first 30 seconds of Crofty and the last 30 seconds of Crofty, and we've got a great race because... That's essentially the first lap that was a bit of bingles, but no major dramas. We had uh, mm. uh, Charles Leclerc hitting Gasly, causing a puncture. Gasly then, you know, caused a couple other cars to spin. And then the at the end of the race, you had Sergio Perez, you know, really gaining upon Bottas to the point where I thought Crofty had lost his mind, suggesting that Perez was going to catch him. But he did yeah. get to within 0.4, I think it was. So, you know, Harry, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than that's my summary of the race. Yeah, like I said before, it was sort of, you know, Max got out really far ahead at the start and he sort of, he stayed there the whole race. And then it was essentially the whole mid-pack from about 5th to to like 16th was just in a constant DRS train. Like everyone was just like that one second, two seconds behind each other and in DRS and so no one could actually overtake. Mm. And then I was hoping when we had those first pit stops it could mix it up a bit and uh, there was a couple of little things but still nothing that made the race exciting. Um, yeah. Couple of disappointments to to the likes of George Russell and Pierre Gasly, yeah. but again, like there was just minor things, mechanical failures, slight nicks, like it, yeah, it offered nothing. Yeah, Connor, I thought what was interesting for me observing like the first five laps. If you were to watch the first five laps, you'd go. If you watch the first lap and then the fifth lap, you'd be like, how far ahead did I skip? Because it it went from being this, you know, three cars into one corner in the first lap, a few little bingles and, and, and bumps and, you know, cars real close to each other to very quickly three, four, five second gaps. And then, you know, mm. either, either long gaps or a DRS train, as Harry mentioned, it was a very strange kind of 
non-competitive race. It was quite bizarre, to be quite honest with you. I think as soon as Max Verstappen got ahead and just skipped away from the rest of the field, that was pretty much it. That was the Grand Prix done and dusted as far as everyone else was concerned. But that mid-pack battle, yeah, it was, it was very tight at the beginning in those opening laps, and then it just dissipated very quickly. I think the key factors are McLaren started off with such a flurry, and then they completely dropped away in, in such a fashion that we saw Daniel Ricciardo go from from having a good start in eighth by virtue of some incidents at the start and also making up a couple of spots by his own accord, but then he dropped so far back with a sudden loss of power, which has been the story of his weekend right through Saturday and through tonight's race. That, mm. That's just been one of those weekends that Dan's probably going to go, what the fuck just happened to me there? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll have to unpack that one pretty much next week because we need to know what he what, what he says. Um, and we'll talk about Daniel in a bit. But, you know, in terms of, like, let's just, Connor, you'll be best to remember this because didn't mm. we have, I mean, we had two races here last year. Wasn't it Correct. the case that there was one awesome one and one terrible one? Was that my recollection? Yeah, that, or? Is, that is correct, yeah. yeah. So it was the Austrian Grand Prix that was the absolutely mighty awesome race and we were raving about it when the season got back underway proper and then it was the Syrian Grand Prix that was the ho-hum race and it's exactly what's happened again, the Styrian race, so ho-hum. It's pretty much now a case that the Austrian Grand Prix has got to deliver something next week, and we're well, at the same so, place. So I remind me, and Harry, maybe both did, the Austrian did, Grand Prix. Yeah, do do you do you remember Harry? What was it that made it so exciting last year? What did we miss today? Wasn't it the La- Lando's massive run at the end? Didn't he have? Yeah, the, there yeah, was but that wasn't the only year. thing. There's no way that was the only thing that we were excited about. No, it wasn't sure. the only thing, but it was like I think it's a little bit like know how at the end of a movie. And you're coming out, they always play the upbeat music, so you, you reflect on it in a positive way. I wonder if that Lando last you know, 10 laps or whatever it was is the uh, the movie music for us for that race. And I think we that, that rec- we, we had Crofty talking about how we you know expect a really solid last lap here, and I think that's why, because of Lando last year, which is why it was hyped, and he did you know escalate his voice and everything for the last lap. We had bloody... Um, you know, uh, Sergio doing his thing. And by the way, what's Helmet doing on the podium? We're just oh, while the that's, podium is, I mean, I remember what happened now in Austria last year. It was Lewis uh, got a five-second penalty because he hit Alex Albon, which is what gave Lando the podium. Mm, that's still not that exciting. It's, I mean, it's just a bit of biff and barge. We actually had very, very little of that, didn't we, today? I mean, it was funny. It was, I guess the only real incident anything. today was Leclerc. He, he hit... Um, uh, Gasly from the front, and then he hit someone else uh, as he uh, was it Raikkonen as he moved across him. So Leclerc probably um, gave us the most action of the whole race, mm. Connor. In terms of you know just generally strategy wise, there was yeah. no uh, amazing strategy came into play here at all. You have there low wasn't... tire dig, so you have the opposite to you know tire burst. You have literally tires playing almost no role in the race. It's a real tough one to sell to F to a potential F1 fan who might have watched Drive to Survive that you should watch F1 if this is the race you happen to stumble across. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just one of those races where nothing really happened at all. And it comes off the back of two really good races that we've had in the last few weeks, of course, Azerbaijan and, and the French Grand Prix last mm-hmm. weekend. So we've gone from, as I said, two exciting races to one very, very boring race. And you're right. It it is very hard to sell 
uh, to a new fan of Formula One when you're watching it for the first time and thinking, is this what it's good for? Mm. Uh, I think anyone that's watching MotoGP tonight will probably say, oh, this is going to be the, you know, but Formula One's absolutely boring. At MotoGP is probably where you need to be, and they're probably going to kick, um, you know, scream with joy because, from what I saw tonight, their their race in Aston was a real cracker. I think Quattararo won the MotoGP, and yet, um, yeah, it, there was not much excitement tonight. So, yeah, Formula One have got to really pick up their act next week for the Austrian Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, when we talk about splitting our conversation up, Harry, into talking about the race, talking about the driver teams and talking about the drivers. There's literally nothing more to say about the race other than to say Verstappen won from Hamilton and Bottas. Yep. Um, Perez in fourth challenged closely to Bottas. Hamilton had nothing um, on Max. He really he really could not keep up with Max um, or certainly gain on him. And um, Ferrari did well to, uh, to, to come um, from where and end up where they were. You know, it, just looking at the overall race, strategy, passing and everything, there's mm-hmm. literally nothing more than we can say that we've just said, isn't there, Harry? No, they, like the only thing, and again, we basically have said it, but the only thing that I think is worth pointing out is that Max Verstappen uh, lapped 75% of the cars mm. on the grid. Like that is, you know, the, the commentators are trying to glow it up as in, you know, look how strong Red Bull is this year and, and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is it's, it's just as much reflection on how big that gap is between it's the top a, two you know, teams. Let me play devil's advocate there, and I think you're right that commentators do tend to play the game of we're in the paddock and we want to you know, play the game with FOM and F1 generally. But you know what? Red Bull have done bloody well. We've got to give it to them. But oh, that, yeah. that, that is also mm, F1's yeah. fault because they, they changed the downforce regulations, which, like it or lump it, actually favoured the, the non-Mercedes um, Aston Martin cars. So F1 created this... Um, this push forward by Red Bull, but certainly it's not a great thing for the sport. Be that big, though, like yeah, that's... That, that's the problem. It's not a great thing for the sport when your your competitiveness just simply changes the the name at the top. It doesn't help the overall yeah. sport. Because if it's if it's still the same car winning every week, and you know, as it has been previously with Lewis Hamilton, and as it it seems to be somewhat with with Max this year, like it, it's yeah, like you say, it's not just because it's a new team that's up there. We want to see different drivers, not necessarily Mm. just like the same team. Well, let's talk about teams then. Um, You know, obviously Red Bull, uh, Mercedes, top of the grid, top of the charts, doing great. Um, But I think Ferrari would be the surprise of the race, given that Leclerc had that first lap incident Mm. and we've ended up with signs in sixth and uh, Leclerc in seventh. We'll talk about the individuals in a minute. But for Ferrari overall, that's a very good result, Connor. It is a massive bounce back from last week where they scored absolutely no points. They were terrible at, at Paul Ricard last weekend. And to be quite honest with you, I thought Leclerc's start of the race when he when he hit into the back of Gasly going up to uh, turn two, that was pretty sloppy. Uh, I, know, I know they were battling for position pretty early, but that was a pretty sloppy move on, on, on Gasly, hence what led to Gasly's retirement in the end when he got punted out. But... That said, he did a fantastic fight back into the points. So a great effort by Charles to get himself back up into seventh. But I would say, Sainz did a very, very um, well-measured drive tonight to finish in sixth. So I think a podium finish at some point for Ferrari, for Char- uh, for, for Sainz, is not far off. So mm. uh, 
Yeah, Ferrari just hot and cold at times. Like I'm still trying to work out how they could be so bad last week and now this I week. I think it's their so engine. Good, so. yeah. I think they've. I think that you see the tracks they're strongest on are, are the slower tracks where it's more about their aero package than their, you know, than their their engine. So I, I think for them they seem to yeah they're looking stronger on tracks like your Monaco and and Baku and things like that. But then when it comes to these quick, uh, you know, long sweeping bend type of tracks, like it, it, that seems to be their weak point this year. Yeah, I'm. You're looking down the grid uh, at the results, and aside from the individual conversations we need to have about Lando, Daniel, George, uh, and others, um, you know, uh, Alpha Tauri would be disappointed today because Gasly was taken out essentially of the race by uh, Leclerc. By the way, for me. Connor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I had money on no uh, no safety car, so that was the only result I got tonight. But um, weirdly, no safety car. Um, Connor. Did you not find it strange that we didn't see a replay of Gasly's entire rear wheel being flipped on its side? Because it was more than just a flap when he drove into the pits. Yeah. It looked like a flap. But the tire, the wheel had been ripped kind of sideways, by the, I assume, by that flailing tire. Absolutely. It, I just would like to see another angle of that, particularly up at the hairpin. You know, when, he, when that, that tire decided to go at that particular angle. I'm still trying to work out who actually hit who. I know. I mean, I know he suffered that puncher, but I'm just wondering, did it happen by virtue of the puncher or did he get hit by someone else? I would really like to see a replay of that, but this is pure bad luck by Gasly because he's had a pretty good run of late. Yeah. Uh, and we've been talking how good and consistent he's been, but uh, at least AlphaTauri got some points tonight by virtue of Sonoda. And look, Sonoda actually had a pretty decent race despite the fact that he got dropped out of the top 10 by virtue of that penalty after qualifying. But uh, a decent result for Yuki, another point to his uh, to his standings in the Drivers' Championship. So AlphaTauri can come away with a little bit of pride this weekend, but not the, not the result they would have looked for. And Harry, yet another week where we wonder why Haas is on the grid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, look. Hey, look, Mick Schumacher finished above uh, Latifi, despite the fact Latifi had a few problems there, so I guess that doesn't count. But... I think next year, I'm just, I think as everyone is hoping, is that they've just put all their, their eggs in the basket for next year and maybe they'll be in the midfield. But I don't know. It basically feels like we're just racing with 18 cars on the grid. Isn't it just staggering that, you know, obviously COVID caused it, but at the start of last year, we were talking about 2021 or the rule changes being the big thing. And now we're, we're holding out again for them. Mate, if those rule changes don't create the, the tightest grid, we... oh, they're not going to. <laughs> I mean, we've got to. I think this sport has a real problem. So it's funny because in um, in quali, it was tight, like one lap pace mm. for a lot of the grid. I mean, you know, maybe six or seven of the teams were within a second. Uh, it was very, very tight. There was point zero something, you know, um, gaps between several cars. You know, Dan missed out in certain ways in quali, but he also just missed out by a little bit. It was kind of fascinating to me, Connor, how tight these cars are at this track on one lap pace yeah absolutely i mean case in point with daniel ricardo i mean we, we were talking last night in our in our little whatsapp group chat and we're just saying how the hell can daniel ricardo have such you know lack of pace and he just made it into q2 only by the barest of margins and that was by virtue of a very strong purple sector in sector one so that was that's what helped him get through yeah. to q2 but yeah I'm just absolutely amazed that um, 
the field in qualifying, particularly around Austria, like that one lap pace, everyone is so tightly bunched. I mean, George Russell, he just missed out on making it Q3 by 0.008, by eight tenths of a second. That is like tiny. But he he eventually got into the top 10 because of Sonoda's penalty uh, post-qualifying. But, you know, it's amazing. Like George Russell, on his pace alone, he'll probably make next week into Q3 the way he's going at the moment. But uh, Well, Harry, let, yeah. let's let's talk about Dan's weekend um, mm-hmm. because you do need to talk about the whole weekend. And, and this is the problem and it's frustrating as a fan and as a follower um, of the sport that the headlines are really just the end of the weekend. So Dan's weekend will be wrapped up in, in, a, in a failure. Um, but the weekend started with like a second in practice but that was all Friday. Like Friday looked amazing. Yeah. And then someone did something overnight. And for Christ's sake, they have to announce what that was so that the the what the grid, the the commentators, you know, your Sky Sports, even the Sky Sports people, obviously because they are a bit biased towards Lando as well, but they love Daniel. Um, yeah. mm. They always talk about Daniel as being disappointing this year, Harry. And I think that we need to know what went wrong because he was on fire yeah. And then nothing. Yeah, look, I think obviously today he was he had a cracker start, like got up to eighth, I think it was, to begin. And then I yep. just remember looking at the the side of the screen and just seeing him drop, 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 drop. And then, you know, two or three minutes later, we have the radio and it's low power issues and things like that. And he held his position there, but he, he never gained any ground on anyone. He never looked like he was going to gain any ground on anyone. So... I wonder if that was something to do with that low power just just hung around the whole race for him because it was just weird just how strong he started and then he couldn't even catch up to Kimi Raikkonen. In his defence, Lando Norris, his teammate in the same car, um, qualified high, uh, dropped back a couple of spots. So he qualified third, finished in fifth, and it essentially looked like at a point they went, you know what, mate, just let the Red Bulls and the Mercedes through because... Mm -hmm. We're not racing them. We, we just want points here above and beyond Ferrari. Now, at that point, also, Leclerc was at the back of the grid, the field. So they probably yeah. thought they, that Ferrari wouldn't come back so strongly. And Dan was in eighth. So um, it, was, it was just kind of strange because McLaren had pace here. I think McLaren have pace at this circuit. But for some reason in the race, they were not able to turn that into anything other than consistent laps that held position, Connor. And I think... That's mm. Daniel ended up back in thirteenth, having uh, having passed uh, Giovinazzi and Ocon, um, but it certainly wouldn't be a welcome week for him, given that this. Remember, he started this three week back to back, kind of saying, "This is it. This is the time I can prove that I'm getting used to the car and I'm ready." So he's got next week to prove that now. Absolutely, yeah. He's got nothing to lose now. He needs to. He needs to deliver. I mean, it was interesting to read this week uh, that. Uh, Zach Brown has come out and said, we are definitely behind Daniel Ricciardo. There's nothing wrong with him whatsoever, despite his lack of pace at the moment. So I guess there's some assurance from McLaren's end that, you know, Daniel's position at the team is safe, despite all the negative, you know, headlines. Oh, I don't think it, never right was, now. it was never oh, no. safe. Really. I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think the doubts was ever that he was going to lose his seat this season or anything. I think I mean, that's just a bit we've got up. we've got another two years of Daniel in Formula One, kind of guaranteed. Yeah. Um, we can we can live with that, um, and we just hope that twenty twenty two shows that in a brand new car. Uh, just it's annoying that we're talking about twenty twenty two instead of just the next few races. But I just 
I just think it's too much pressure right now, and, and I think that oh, any definitely. any human being um, will buckle under pressure, and I think that pressure is probably what he needs to escape from right now, rather than anything else. But Harry, the the real honest, uh, as an Aussie who loves Daniel and gets disappointed by Daniel, the real disappointment of this race was George Russell. Um, yeah. Man, Harry, I was so excited to see him ahead of Daniel. <laughs> frankly, in uh, he got up into into seventh and. Man, it was just exciting and, and oh. a very disappointing end for him. It just feels like every time he's potentially in there for, with the points, just something goes wrong. Like it's, just, it's happened, I'm pretty sure, every time it looks like he could potentially get some points. But mm. you just got to feel gutted for him. And I, I guess for him, he just has to go back and, and try and remind himself that, you know, there's a good chance that he might be in a better car suited for better points in the next year. So, like, other than that, yeah, I, I mean, uh, at, the same, at the same time, like the guy's driving in Formula One, he's fine. Oh, okay, that's that's enough, is it? I don't think that'd be his position. I think no, I know, be... I know, but it's just like <laughs> I just felt myself almost feeling sorry for him for a second then, and then I realized at the same time I'd kill to have his uh have his career. Well, I mean, that's it's a good point, right? Um, but I think people at that level just, I mean, even so, I, I, here's here's a an analogy like Giovinazzi. Do you think? He's happy because he's he's not going to progress up the grid ever, um, yeah. and that car's not going to progress mm. up the grid. Whereas Russell actually has an eye on the front of the grid, so that's the difference I think between two characters like that, Connor. Yeah, absolutely, and I think he proved something tonight, George. That despite the fact that he's in a mid-pack car or into low-pack car, let's face it, near the tail of the field, he was actually able to punch above his weight. And the fact that he started from 10th and made it up to, I think, 7th at one point, I mean, that was a pretty decent effort until he had to pit and had that long pit stop. In fact, he had back-to-back long pit stops in the end, and that's what dropped him outside the top 10. But up until that point, he really was racing exceptionally competitive and I couldn't see Giovinazzi come anywhere near him so I can't see Giovinazzi going anywhere further in Formula 1 I think Alfa Romeo is basically where he's going to end up if he ever if he's ever going to progress in Formula 1 which is never uh, but George Russell I mean I, I think in the back of his mind he knows that seat for next year at Mercedes that's pretty much mine now there um, there there was a rumor I saw um, that <laughs> Mercedes would announce at Silverstone the driver switch. No way. Um, and I just thought, you yeah, I mean, there's just no way. Toto is the kind of guy that will leave that until friggin' January. Yeah. Like, he, he just, it, it just doesn't strike me as Toto's world. And, and it also strikes mm. me that Toto would spend his time um, plucking drivers out of F2 into his little world to put into Williams so that he could control more of the grid. You know, Toto just strikes me as the kind of um, um, Flavio of the modern era where you know i want to i want to control driver team sport um and and he's done a better job of it than flavio ever did harry i think that that's that's what's fascinating to me one other thing we should talk about um driver wise and individuals but still the same team is carlos signs and charles leclerc harry um You'd look at that and say, Science finished sixth, Leclerc seventh. Great result by Science, but Leclerc came from the back of the pack. Um, so it's actually a friggin' great result for Charles Leclerc. He did great. Like, as soon as when he got, uh, when he was behind Daniel at that sort of, when they're at the back of that, like the DRS train. And there in my head, I was like, oh, no, no, he has to do another, another pit two. I think Daniel should end up basically being in front of him by the end of the race. And then. You know, he obviously did the complete opposite and he hit that pit stop just before Daniel and then just stormed the pack and, and ended up 
you know, a decent spot in the points considering he was at 17th at one stage. Oh, I mean, it's a staggering result, Connor, for, for Leclerc, given that he did stop mm. first lap. Um, and he, he didn't just stop once. He stopped twice. I mean, that's the thing. You, you could say Charles pulled it off because he stopped first lap and went all the way, but he stopped twice and still came through yeah. the pack. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you would think at that point just to do... To go to the tail of the field or near the tail of the field, you'd pretty much be stuck there for the rest of the race. But knowing Charles, it was pretty racy uh, throughout the event itself. But as you said, he stopped twice and he still managed to finish seven. So that was a pretty good recovery, all things considered. So Ferrari can come away from this race fairly satisfied that they got a, a good result of the top 10. But yeah, as Harry said before, the Red Bull Ring is probably the kind of track that is well suited to these Ferraris compared to last week when poor Ricard, they were just absolutely nowhere because they just didn't have the power in their, in the power units to, to keep up with the likes of McLaren and Red Bull or, or even um, uh, some of the other teams, yeah. like even with Renault, they were, they were struggling last week. I think um, the most staggering thing about tonight is that we've been able to talk about this for 24 minutes and, um, that's kind of mind-blowing to me because I thought this would be a five-minute show. Um, and we do it thanks to the good people at KO who uh, have all the live support and streaming you need, including MotoGP, Supercars, Formula 1. If you're a rev head, they've got everything you need, just 25 bucks a month. I've upgraded. I'm now paying 35 because I've discovered that my son um, and often we have the screen on at the office and here, so we, we just hit the screen limit a couple of times. Pay an extra 10 bucks, get an extra screen. Good times, happy days. Connor. It's over mm. to you for the most important role that you have each week outside of all your duties at Speed Week and other places, mate. The Driver and Constructor World Championships. Where do we sit? Where do we sit? Well, uh, it's now an 18-point gap between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So 156 to Verstappen, 138 to Hamilton. Third position is Sergio Perez, 96. So he's just a few points shy of that ton. In fourth position, 10 points behind Lando Norris. Fifth position, 74 points, Valtteri Bottas. Sixth position, 58 points is Charles Leclerc. Seventh, only eight points further behind is Carlos Sainz. In eighth position is Pierre Gasly, who scored nothing tonight. That was a shame. Uh, for Daniel Ricciardo, again, no points. 34 points in ninth and in 10th position is Sebastian Vettel, still on 30 points. So actually, we didn't mention about Aston Martin tonight. Aston Martin were uh, a little bit off. So we might, might uh, quickly talk about them before we wrap things up. But in terms of the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull and Mercedes, the gap between them now is 40 points, 252 to 212. McLaren still third in the Constructors' Championship on 120. Ferrari on 108. Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin, that battle is still very, very tight. It is now two points between them. Alpha Tauri 46, Aston Martin 44, Alpine on 31, and Alpha Romeo. And I think two. what's interesting, Harry, is if you look at the constructor, you've got this very tiered system here. You've now got Red Bull and Mercedes, obviously clear outstanding uh, leaders in the sport. You've now got the second tier is more clearly defined. It's only two teams this year, which is McLaren and Ferrari, whereas in years gone by, there's been a few teams battling for that, that what will be third, sp third spot. And then the the kind of third tier is AlphaTauri, Aston Martin, and formerly Renault, now Alpine, with Alpine struggling in seventh. Mm. So it's actually, it's actually a very different looking constructors championship, Harry. Yeah, the, the one that surprised me the most, actually, is how far behind Alpha Tauri is from Ferrari, just because mm. I, I feel like their pace is, you know, right up there. They've with, been unlucky, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine Gasly got points tonight and those kind of things, right? 
Yeah, so I feel like it, it's that's kind of the only one that feels like it's not quite right. Like I, in my head, I still think of them on that same level as Ferrari and, and even McLaren to an extent. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, you kind of got Aston Martin then in a field on its own and then a big gap between, I think, again, with, with Alpine and then there's the rest. But yeah, and, and I, think, I think, Connor, the, your point about Aston Martin is interesting because the, the real point here is, you remember last year it was the pink Mercedes and now they're just a nothing. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's amazing how much you, progress you can make by emulating the uh, the vehicular strategy of another team, but then how quickly that can go backwards if you didn't really develop it yourself. And I think that's proven itself this year. Although you would argue they've done well, um, they're a long way behind. Oh, they're nowhere near the pace of what they were last year. Uh, basically, the low-rate uh, changes has basically hampered their performance in a massive way. And we've discussed this a few times throughout the season this year. Uh, I think... The fact that they've not been able to develop their own car per se compared you know, to what they've been doing where they've basically copied the 2019 car of Mercedes, uh, they're paying the penalty as a result of that and they're struggling in some cases at some tracks where it's not really suiting them right now and tonight was a real clear case in point. And they only got points tonight by virtue of Lance Stroll. Sebastian Vettel, he was kind of, lost in the wilderness a little bit tonight. So this is the first point, first race in a few uh, the last few races that he scored no points. So they were lucky to get points by virtue of Stroll tonight and uh, they've still managed to bring down the gap to AlphaTauri in terms of fifth in the Constructors' Championship, but they were tonight nowhere near the pace that they they have been in Azerbaijan and in, and in the French Grand Prix. So you've got a fair bit of work to do coming into the British Grand Prix in a couple of weeks. And boys, next week, a uh, big trip for the teams across to the exact same track <laughs> in uh, in Austria. So the same track, same format, that's annoying. They're, they're, they're not using one of the new formats. You would think that would be the smart thing to do in a double header, but whatever. Um, so Austria is, there is the same track. There is a different slight name. difference. What is it? Tyres. They go softer. Okay, that's good. But, I mean, the softs didn't look like they had any worries today. They only got one step down, so the current yeah. softs will become the mediums? Correct. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It might, maybe. Maybe. I think the analysis I'd like to see is, is with McLaren's failure to really compete after Friday, or certainly for Daniel. Was that a tyre thing? Was that a temperature thing? Um, because it was a lot hotter on the Sunday than it was on the Friday. So I'm wondering if that's got something to do with it and whether they're, they're set up revolved perfectly around those situations for Friday and not, not for the Sunday. So we've got Austria next week and then uh, a couple of weeks later, Great Britain, um, which is apparently going to be a packed crowd while we're in lockdown, um, Great Britain uh, packed crowd, but that's a whole other political conversation for another day, boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> enjoy lockdown, lads. Um, Ooh, hope yeah. you're staying sane and staying safe. Um, the same goes for everyone if you're in Sydney or any other lockdown areas because the virus is spreading like wildfire because no one's vaccinated except me, apparently. Um, <laughs> you, you boys are too young to be vaccinated, aren't you? I'm an old man. So, yep, that's uh, making me feel great. All right, back again next week, boys. Uh, look forward to another week uh, in front of the TV because it is fun watching every single session and then t- chatting about it afterwards. Uh, we'll talk to you then, boys. All right, see you then. Gotcha.